What's up, rotters? And welcome back to Brilliant, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the best and worst horror films of the 80s and 90s. I'm Stevie, your VHS veteran. I hope you're all doing horrendously. Now then, first up on today's agenda, our brand new Season 3 t-shirts and notebooks are now available through our merch store. Uh, This incredible new design was created by the wonder that is Mike Lee. Graham. It's VHS, it's trash, it's horror, and it's bright. It's very bright. Uh, They've literally been on sale for nearly a week now, and they have been flying out of the door at quite an unprecedented rate. So if you want to bag one, just head to steviesbrainrot.com and head to the store. Patreon subscribers, check your DMs for your discount code. Uh, Speaking of Patreon, a couple of days ago on the Cellar Dweller tier, friend of the pod Stephen Fry submitted this month's brain blog. Wow. His essay is all about his early relationship with William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, both the book and the movie, and his involvement in the movie's censorship decision in his hometown of Norfolk. It is, as you can imagine, an incredibly well-penned piece and a truly thrilling read. So if you'd like to get your eyes on that, again, the Patreon info can be found at steviesbrainrot.com. This week, we are covering one of my favourite 80s slashers, The House on Sorority Row from 1982. Released as House of Evil in the UK, this movie was a constant for me as a kid. Uh, In fact, it triggered an obsession for me, which you'll hear about shortly. Uh, Joining me to discuss this is a longtime friend of mine and the pod, Joshua Tonks. On the main feed, we've covered movies Hell Night and Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, and over on Patreon, we've covered Prom Night 3, Cheerleader Camp, Pledge Night, and Orphan First Kill. His starring role in his first feature film, The Latent Image, just received its premiere at Soho Horror Fest, and I saw it, and it's rather brilliant. And you can currently hear him starring in episode 18 of season 3 of It Listens from the Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Joshua, welcome back to the B-Rot. Hi, Stevie. Oh, the B-Rot. Nice. Okay. <laughs> We're the cool kids. <laughs> bit trendy, you know? I wouldn't say that was someone I didn't know. Yeah, if it was a <laughs> no, new okay. guest that I didn't know, I wouldn't say that, of course. They'd be like, am I on the wrong show? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, I'd just be like, ooh, not sure about this guy. <sighs> How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a nice week. Yeah. Happy Xmas season. And I know people say it doesn't start until December, but Mariah Carey announces it Mariah on the 1st of November. Time. Yes. And so I'm going <laughs> by that. Um, do you have ho- do you like holiday horror? Love holiday horror. Me Obsessed. Too. Black Christmas is one of my favorite, mm-hmm. if not my second favorite horror movie of all time. <laughs> I, oh my so. God, are we going to play Scream Bingo already? <laughs> <laughs> You're about to say it. What's your first, Josh? I'm- I don't know. You, uh... <laughs> scream, yes, we know. Um, I agree. Um, I don't. I deliberately don't watch it every Christmas though, because I mm. love it so much. I like to give it a bit of time be- between watchings so that I, it's so like there's something simmer. fresh or something that I've forgotten, or you know, if it, it, it just feels like well, never watching it for the first time, but it's always like, oh yeah, I forgot about this, and I like that. You want to? You don't want to overdo it. You want to recapture the magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'm the same. Actually, I try not to. But I've. I. What's good about that film is that 
it's one of the few films that I love that I can vividly recall specific times I've watched it. There's like uh-huh. a good three or four times I've watched it where I'm like, I remember where I was, what I was doing, how I felt when I was watching it. Yeah, so it's such a it's a huge fave. Yeah, I love it. And um, also something else we should probably talk about. I um I watched you having sex at a festival a few days ago. We should probably <laughs> clarify what I mean by that. Um, but yeah, the world premiere. Let's, not, let's just leave it vague. Yeah, yeah. It's the it was the world premiere, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. We just had the world premiere of the Latent Image, which is a film I shot um, January of this year. And uh, it premiered at the Soho Horror Fest, which yeah. was amazing. But it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Because it didn't start out as this as the feature film. Because this is it's been in your life for a long time. Yeah, it has. Way back in 2018, I was living in Canada in Vancouver. Yeah. And um, me and the director of the feature actually shot. We co-wrote, co-produced, and he shot, and I acted in a short 20-minute version of it, um, which was fantastic. But us being naive it was the wrong length it was about 20 minutes and it was too long to get right. accepted into festivals um yeah it's a short window it's a very tight window isn't it yeah you kind of <laughs> want to hit it under 10 minutes right um and ours was just too long so um and you know as time's gone on it's developed and and turned into a full feature so i've sort of been sitting with this project off and on for um like almost five years now which is absolutely wild yeah i have to say i i really enjoyed it and i i love any kind of indie horror because you know it's made with love it's not a studio output Mm. where they're trying to grab some cash and you know that everyone involved wants to be there and they're there for for the work and for the um the content and it's it's i just i just thought it was really great it's um you know and i love the setup of the classic sort of knock at the cabin it had a very mm-hmm. stephen king it felt familiar in that stephen king way where you go ah oh, yes i know i know this sort of world where Absolutely. it's a writer and a stranger turns up and then mm-hmm. anything can happen between those two why don't you talk a little bit just let's sort of give an outline of what it's about yeah I guess, that, yeah really. for sure i mean yeah that's you're, you're kind of right like it it began the sort of inception of it when we uh sort of came up with a short was that it was going to be a sort of Stephen King's misery meets uh, whiplash right. which is sort of like the in whiplash it's the idea of like how far would you go for your art mm-hmm. um, and we, we we sort of came up with this really literal thriller of you know a, a writer in a cabin in the woods struggling to finish his novel which is like a mystery thriller and then lo and behold one night um, this mysterious stranger shows up that somewhat resembles the character he's writing and starts to inspire the work mm-hmm. um and so he keeps this guy who is quite clearly you know a criminal <laughs> he, yeah keeps him keeps him around because it's inspiring the work and that's sort of where it began and then the feedback we got from the short was actually oh but is he real is he not all, all very ambiguous mm-hmm. um and then there was a fantastic review of it by um uh, a chap called terry terry mesnard who does gaily dreadful he does that blog oh yeah um and he he pointed out that it's a queer story and, and what sort of happens in these sort of with a lot of gay men is that like we put ourselves in peril mm-hmm. for like a sexual thrill, um, which could be very much based on oppression. It could be very much based on just not having those those safe spaces to sort of mm-hmm. um, be with be who you want to be, basically. And that paralleled really nicely with uh, the sort of writers want to achieve his dreams. It also fit with um it sort of correlated well between the yeah. two. And so that's sort of what 
ended up happening with the feature but what, what i like about the feature is that there's a there's a big scene in the middle that wasn't in the short which is really important and so different so it's not like we've just stretched a 20 minute short into like yeah, 86 right. minutes or however long it is it's actually um it's it's uh it's got some original stuff in it which is yeah which well is cool. i mean it just because i didn't see the short watching it as a feature i can't imagine it being shorter because it felt meaty and fleshed out mm. and you need to build that that feeling of mystery you know it's it's got this um ubiquitous mystery all around it the whole time you're not quite mm-hmm. sure what's happening and then it's also very sexy but you can't it rush is, that yeah. sort of shit so i i thought it was really i thought it was really great and i really really did enjoy it thanks mate i was very proud wanted of you to lean into the like oh thanks <laughs> yeah it's my first feature and it was and of course um, i've only ever seen you do panto which is such a different technique very different vibe <laughs> yes very you were dancing around vibe. to taylor swift in a sailor boy outfit and it's a very different aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> cut to me like running through the woods crying yeah right beaten up you know all this yeah shit. yeah no it was good it was really fun to film actually the the crew was incredible um the cast were incredible it was just a really great um sort of first outing and hopefully many more to come yeah and it does and it and it picked up and fed on those some really cute slasher elements some classic slasher mm. elements um which is a good segue actually when is it getting mm. a release do you know Later image we're in we're we're talking with distributors at the moment okay. to see okay so fingers crossed and when so fingers crossed yeah Updated and some more festivals you know. next year as well yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we are going to be talking today about Sorority House Massacre. No, I knew this would happen. Damn it. Slumber Party House Massacre on the Sorority <laughs> Street 2. At the end of the lane. <laughs> At the end of the lane. Oh, sorority- no, House on Sorority. God, ma- what if we sor- watched different films and we were texting the whole time going, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> It's the House on Sorority Row, Stevie. <laughs> That's the one from 1982, <laughs> directed and written by R- Mark Roseman. Uh, and I didn't know this. I, I, for the first time, I just found out that he was inspired by um, Diabolique, the 1955 French movie um, by Henry George Clouseau. I didn't realise, and it's... Uh, well, it's, it's not that similar, but I, I see where the inspirations come from. I actually don't know that one, and I having looked... Uh, looked up the film i was like oh yeah what's this and so i'm intrigued and i kind mm-hmm. of want to see where the the plots sort of like correlate yeah um now i'm glad we're talking about this because when i chose you for it i knew that we both really really like this film yeah. and it's quite divisive it's so strange i've i went on letterboxd after i rewatched it just now and some people are saying you know oh it's really lethargic and boring and really unscary and i couldn't disagree more i think mm. it is one of the finest slashes to come out of that era i think the dialogue Agreed. is great i think the pace is great the mystery is genuine and mm-hmm. i for for the first time in a long time i i've watched one of these revisited one of these 80s films and i haven't sort of been pausing or checking my phone i just i was with it the entire way what about you yeah agreed for me like you know we always bring this up but like my my gateway into horror was through the sort of 90s slashes and so Mm -hmm. there's quite a lot of the 80s ones that i don't vibe with because they're not quite they're not quite that but what's good about this one not that it is anything like a 90s slasher is yeah it it holds up as it's sort of it's own film an actual um, film it, yeah an actual film yeah it's it doesn't feel like it's been made just for the sake of you know the popularity of the genre 
yes, obviously it, it was able to come out because of that, but it, it yeah. feels like like there's a lot of genuine care that's gone into it. You know, the the the, the scares are sort of like it's it's like creepy rather than just trying to shock you for the sake of it, but it still has moments of gore and it does the thing that I love about the eighties sort of teen slashers is that the characters are likable and they're nice to each other and they're not uh, they're not just assholes all the time. Like yeah. there's a genuine love and care for, the, for each other, which I always appreciate. And um, yeah, and I think it's what stands out for me as well is it's truly female led this. All the yes. male characters are such side characters or mm. or become collateral. You know, it's it's truly female led and only one female is pointed out as being, you know, a bit ditzy. But all the other mm. girls are really switched on. They're really <laughs> she's clever. She's really she's really in her own movie. Morgan, well. is it? That, yeah. Morgan. Yeah. yeah. But she absolutely makes it's like you need things her like that though yeah exactly things like that that in hindsight make a film like this iconic and memorable as well mm-hmm. it's almost like there are those elements that are a bit dodgy but it just makes it all the more fun when you revisit it yeah and you know and it's it's nothing we haven't seen in terms of it's the classic prank prank going wrong someone mm-hmm. returning to avenge their death or whatever and but they, i think they play with that quite well as well you know, it, it's a little bit different. And also the thought of this, you know, it's set up that the killer is possibly this crazy old lady. I just really, mm-hmm. it just feels different, the entire thing. And it, it the original budget was 125 grand uh, dollars. Um, they went over budget to 300,000, mm-hmm. finished it. But then it went to number one at the box office and yeah. took more than $10 million. Not enough people it's know good. about this film. And they really don't. And it's it's one of those ones that I like I like to revisit, like you say, because it's different. And it's interesting that it never got a sequel. But mm-hmm. I think it's because possibly like this is sort of because you can look at the sort of slasher subgenre sort of in three major waves. And you have like the first, which sort of started with Halloween. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of had died out and was being parodied by this time yeah. and so i kind of feel like this is the real tail end of it so there probably wasn't anything really going on until a nightmare on elm street in 84 which mm-hmm. sort of reinvigorated it and then again obviously in the 90s with scream but uh, th- i think probably it didn't get it, it was just it came out at a time where people were like sick of the slasher movie yes. i think maybe if this had come out in sort of 1980 a few years earlier yeah. we may have got a sequel or we may have got like more stories yeah. with this character it feels like they took they took more time with it and um, because the one the ones that came out first were the really rushed ones that were just taking a holiday making mm. a film around it completely cookie cutting the the formula and and yeah. so it, i think everything kind of suffers by order because the good ones that were inspired by say friday the 13th mm-hmm. and halloween they took a bit longer but they came out after 80 other ones so it's really interesting mm-hmm. because actually the point where it started to tail off is where you can start to get some really quality slashes i think it starts to become more interesting yeah, yeah. for sure because they're they're having to do something different because the same stuff has been happening over yeah. and over i had um, a very interesting experience re-watching this just now because it had been a very long okay. time and certain things which i'll come to uh, like formative things happened to me watching this film. And I remembered I had this on VHS Big Box because in the UK it was released as House of Evil. And yes, I, I, never, I saw that. Yeah, I never put it together until years later that these were the same film. 
Um, and I wore out my VHS and I had to get a second mm-hmm. one because I loved it so much. And so I had one of those very strange experiences of forgetting that these were the same films. And so as it was going on, I was getting chills and going, oh, my gosh, hang on. I know that I know I know this moment. I know what's about to happen. I used to rewind this. And and so it was a really kind of spiritual experience <laughs> watching oh. this film today. And I'm so glad that I kind of forgot that that's what this yeah. was because it I would get to it but I started collecting canes and walking sticks because of this film oh, and yeah? it's crazy and I, I quite enjoy that in Spain it was um released as seven trapped women that was the title yeah it's uh, I always find it bizarre how there's always so many different titles geographical different sort of yeah yeah um I am so jealous of you I wish I'd have seen this when I was younger I didn't see it until um probably like 2017 2018 like mm-hmm. i just assumed that it was gonna be just like cheap and boring yeah. and, and not something that i'd be interested in and obviously i knew of it and i'd heard of it and i'd seen the 2009 remake which i i like i don't i don't dislike that at all i think it's fun mm-hmm. um but there's just there's a warmth to this that i really enjoy yes um and i i do it, it's funny i really really enjoy it and i love it the, but because I love it, I also feel like it's there's moments where it slightly doesn't quite reach where I want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's elements that I find a little disappointing. But overall, I, I think it's it's yeah definitely one of the best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's 91 minutes, but I think you could have had almost a perfect slasher by taking 10 minutes out. Mm. I really yeah. do because uh, for me anyway uh, it's it's not the type of slasher where it's interesting kills and it's mm-hmm. one after the other and you're just waiting for that it's not that at all it it's a genuine mystery and you get to yeah. know these girls and the dynamic between the entire group and I really really think that's great um I think let's ju- let's talk about it in a, yeah. a bit of depth um do you have a synopsis for us <laughs> I do have a synopsis and normally when I do these I'm because we've done such like <laughs> schlocky films yes I, I I'm like kind of taking the piss a bit and this one yes I am but also it's kind of like it's hard love to because <laughs> it's actually really good it's like <clears throat> so anyway yeah here we Hit go me. <clears throat> On the eve of their college graduation party, seven sorority sisters devise a prank to get back at their uptight and domineering house mother, Mrs. Slater. However, this being an 80s slasher movie and all, the prank doesn't necessarily go to plan, resulting in Mrs. Slater getting shot and killed. Don't mess around with guns, kids. Right. (laughs) With party guests already arriving, the guilt-ridden sisters have no choice but to weight Mrs. Slater's body with towels <laughs> question mark and dump it into their filthy disused swimming pool as the party rages on into the night soundtracked by power pop sensations four out of five doctors <laughs> the sisters struggle to keep their cool especially when it's revealed that mrs slater's body appears to have vanished could their wicked house mother have risen from her watery grave <laughs> well as blonde head space cadet morgan so astutely points out how do we know she is alive? <laughs> I practiced that so much and that was really underwhelming, but never oh. mind. That's right, Morgan. There's more to this story than meets the eye. Because as one by one, the sisters start getting picked off by a stranger lurking in the shadows, wielding Mrs. Slater's cane. 
So obligatory good girl Katie must uncover the tragic secrets of their house mother before it's too late. Yes, it's so good. That line <laughs> is, uh, it's infamous. Uh, everyone, oh. I, I think people have seen the clip. People know exactly that moment, but they don't even know what it's from because I've seen it shared yeah. so much and everyone mentions it. It's fucking wonderful. It's, it's iconic. Fucking wonderful i love and i love morgan and we'll get to her yeah. kind of scene as well because i love that as well i kind of i just like enjoy watching her in the background of stuff too because she is just her character is on in her own movie yeah she's she the lead character every in her scene own as well movie. yeah yeah she's the the sarah jessica parker in hocus pocus you can keep your eyes yeah. on her for the whole film Constantly. even when she's not in the foreground um yeah it's brilliant i really enjoyed the opening as well this sort of black and white gothic mm-hmm. um setup what did you think of this i remember the first time i watched it i didn't like it and i think it's because i was watching it in bad quality and i was like what is right. this but this time i was like oh i can i was watching it on shudder so i was like oh i can see it better mm-hmm. which is good <laughs> yeah. um it's fine. I, I think it's a little bit unnecessary, but that's just my personal taste. Like, I don't necessarily love when a horror movie opens with something from the past that you know is going to... I'd rather discover it as we're going and, like, work a little bit harder. But fine, it's all there, whatever. Yeah, I get that because I think what's a shame about that opening is we immediately kind of get the inkling that the Doctor is kind of up to no good or he's into something Mm. something nefarious is going on and so when he does rock up uh towards the end like mrs Voorhees, you know suddenly he's there Mm -hmm. um you kind of already know he's involved in something dodgy so it does kind of give that away a little bit and i think you're right the ambiguity would be even greater if that wasn't there but i just i i I do like it i quite enjoyed it (laughs) um i really enjoy the music and it's um richard band who does all of the Mm -hmm. uh, of charles band stuff it's very puppet master it's that melodic strings and it's quite haunting and throughout this entire movie i thought the soundtrack was fantastic agreed absolutely agreed put that in my notes as well i was like it's it's like it's a somewhat iconic score, but it's not as memorable as something like Halloween or A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost been forgotten. And so when I came back to revisit it, I was like, ooh, this is good. You know, like, yeah. it was like a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So, yeah, and I love that it it, it sort of merges into diegetic and non-diegetic. Like, yes. we hear it as the, um, like, the, the sort of, like, uh, clown music box, the music jack box, in the box yeah. kind of thing. Um, but also it's the score as well. So I thought, yeah, that was really great. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Mrs. Slater, who is the house mother, as you mentioned, she has bad health. The doctor mm-hmm. wants her to not stay at the house over summer. The girls are graduating. And what did you think of her? Um, this is Lois Kelso Hunt who plays her. Yeah, it's it's funny. With, with, with the film, I sort of, uh, uh, when it comes to Mrs. Slater and the sort of the backstory... And I'm glad they don't spend too much time with it, actually. You just get it, like, peppered throughout. These are the moments I tend to switch off. I'm a little bit more interested in the girls and what they're doing. Um, But she's a good good character to have as, like, to to sort of instigate the action. It is unfortunate that they chose to dub her. Right. Um, Yes, I read that. Her entire voice. yeah, which I don't know what the actress actually sounded like and if it would have worked, but it's just that the one person being dubbed visually is a little bit distracting. So I'm glad that she's sort of like 
gets offed pretty early on. Yeah, it's a little out of sync at times. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, and then I'm reading that apparently she had the look but not the voice, so they wanted a more yeah. sort of husky, gruff, scary but that's voice. But the, that's the only blip, really, because yeah. I think the performance of her is really good and the way she interacts with the girls is great as well. Yeah, and in sort of uh, Halloween H2O style, she returns and realises they've all stayed behind and they're using the house for their big mm-hmm. graduation party. And this is when we sort of meet the girls a little bit. Um, and it's quite a fun introduction. And you and you, you meet everybody's favourite Morgan, obviously. Yes, we meet Morgan, who she's like she's that she's the blonde airhead. And then we've got well, the ones that sort of stand out. We've got Katie, who is yeah. our sort of she's our good girl. But what's nice about her isn't is like um, you know how nowadays if we're getting a uh, a teen slasher movie, it's either that the good girl is so obviously virginal and yeah well they're just so aware that she's the quote-unquote final girl that they'll either do something where they're actively going to subvert it and do the opposite and like kill her early or like try and do a twist Uh or they'll make her so like she's just really it's like they just read what is it carol clover's men women and chains yeah yeah yeah. ah that's who she should be whereas here they haven't quite defined that archetype yet so she's still having fun with the girls and she's not a stick in the mud and like yes she has her own sort of opinions but like she's she's not julie james being like no we have yeah. to go to the police like she's well, not she, annoying i think the difference is you know she's she's part of the group she's not there by she proxy is. she is she just she's just lower on the in the hierarchy and uh she's just not a, a, a sheep like the rest of them as much and so mm-hmm. she has her own strong um opinions and um but she's still very much part of this group of girls you know they're all friends and quite often you would get the the good girl or the virginal girl who mm. actually isn't part of the group and she's picked yeah. on a bit and that's what makes her survive because she's got better morals and all that but yeah it's just she's just that friend who's a bit like mm, that's a bit fucking off yeah yeah <laughs> that's a bit weird maybe don't bring a gun to you know yes. a prank but whatever I, I found um, it, a, a moment that really confused me um there's a moment where well we believe it's Mrs Slater and she's looking through all the old photos of the school with all the different classes and then mm-hmm. they all go in the fire she's this it's she's the same age in each one and it makes it's a moment that makes you think oh is this going to be part of the plot she's actually been at the school since the very beginning a hundred years ago and it's a weird moment to focus on because you take they take quite a while of going over each one it goes from colored Mm. pictures into black and white and rustic and sepia yeah (laughs) but it's just her funny i actually didn't put that together that she was still the same age i mean obviously They just took those photos or they're like yeah, right. in them or whatever. The same like. day, yeah. But I think, yeah, we're just sort of establishing there that she's like really over these girls and what they're doing. And, yeah. You know, she kind of doesn't want to be... She's really disenfranchised with the whole sort of house mother thing. She's sort of been looked down upon a lot and, you know, they don't really take her seriously. Even though when the girls are talking about her, you know, it's not like... It's only really Vicky who is sort of like the the archetypical... Yeah. Um, bitch, bitch character yeah. um, played by the, the Eileen the... Davidson sorry I have to say from the uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills I'm obsessed oh, really yes. I don't watch Real Housewives so that's <gasps> do cool. you not see I, I'm obsessed um, it's, so she's... we've got a couple of horror queens in there then oh yeah she's um yeah she's her famous meme is beast um, that's a good one to look up. <laughs> <laughs> that's her famous line from Desperate Housewives. I was going to say um, but yeah so she plays Vicky um, and yeah mm-hmm. she's and Vicky is also the she's one great. 
that's you know open sexually and they're on obviously mm-hmm. on the waterbed her and rick and this is when um they're really setting up miss slater aren't they as the she's going to be the villain because she comes down and rips open the waterbed from a little mm-hmm. attic rest um waterbeds anyway do they just spell disaster i just yeah. don't understand that period in time i i had a mishap on a waterbed i was gonna once. say have have you ever slept on a waterbed had a waterbed mm. No, I've thrown up on one. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so my parents, no, my friend's parents, my friend Timmy's mm. parents, and they had a new waterbed and we weren't allowed on it, we were told, because we'll break it or burst it. We're not mm. allowed to play on it. And of course, that's fucking red flag to a bull. Why are they burstable? This is what I don't understand. Like, I mean, they're really not possible? that burstable. I know you see it in Edward Scissorhands. I know you see it in um, Dream Street. Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're super, super thick rubber. Um and of course, because we were told that, we can't wait till they're out of the house. Yeah. And so the first second they were out of the house, we were up there, we were jumping on it and then just lying <laughs> on it. And it's the most bizarre sensation. And we start to hear their um, car come back in. And we're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. Uh, and I just leant up and just went, oh, oh, and just oh, no! vomited over the covers. And uh, oh, yeah, we is. were busted. We- I was going to say big trouble, huge mm-hmm. trouble. Yeah, big, huge. Oh my huge. God, big, huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've I've never been on one or slept on one. And I do think they seem quite cool. But what I, I don't, what I don't get is why Mrs. Slater like slashes it. Because it's like her house. She's going to be like making all the mess. That or is, is yeah. the Or is the box of the bed that the mattress goes in is that waterproof as well so it would just fill up like a little pool (laughs) maybe maybe but i mean the the creepiest thing about it is vicky says that her dad has just bought it for her Mm, she says that her dad bought her the waterbed um but yeah she she kind of makes a comment actually doesn't she to rick where she's like hey daddy or something like that yeah yeah daddy yeah there's a whole issues yeah yeah subplot there that we see layered characters (laughs) (laughs) but yes also her cane so this this is just going to be an episode of anecdotes about my youth (laughs) Um, yeah i want to know about all the canes that you bought (laughs) yeah so and it only came to me when i was watching this and i realized that was the catalyst because i loved that ornamental cane that she's got which has got the metal bird at the top uh Mm. on the top of it and I was just, I just became obsessed with them after that. And so my parents were always really encouraging of any of my weird ventures. Uh, And I basically turned into an old man for a good year when I was eight. And I had a collection of canes that had different (laughs) (laughs) and walk and just regular walking sticks as well. They just had different ornamental um, tops and figures on them. uh, And I absolutely loved them. And then I started collecting pipes like an old man pipe. And (laughs) I'd walk around with a cane and a pipe and come to breakfast with a cane and a pipe. And then my mum came to say goodnight one bed and tucked me in and I was crying. And she was like, what's what's the matter, Stephen? And I said, I don't don't want blonde hair anymore. And she was like, why, why? What colour do you want? I said, I want grey hair. Oh my God. I just wanted to be an old man. That's so funny. You wanted to be an old man? Yeah, but this film, House of Evil, as it were, started that i was obsessed yeah. with it i was obsessed with the weapon and it was just something completely different i don't know it's like something shiny you know i was obsessed yeah. with it i loved little it magpie weren't you yeah i don't understand how you went though from the trans the transition from yeah oh this cool weapon that i'm gonna get to i want to be an old man I want like, to be that's 90 the, that's the journey i haven't <laughs> quite 
established, but maybe we don't have time to go into all of that. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, we had a cane, actually, that used to sit in. Now that you now that you bring up see? canes, um, I had we had a cane that like sat in the hall. I think it had a bear on, or it had a bird on, or something like that. Yeah, but it was like it was a silver-colored metal. It was a yeah. thing. It used to play with it like a sword, I think. Water beds and canes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the prank and mm. <laughs> what it possibly is, because Vicky's saying, "Oh, we're gonna get that bitch," you know. She's <laughs> been so annoying for four years, and mm-hmm. we're gonna prank her on Friday, and then it cuts to possibly my favorite moment of exposition in cinematic history. So they're talking about pranking Mrs. Slater. And then it cuts to a doctor looking at x-rays and he says, Oh, brilliant. Hmm. It looks like Mrs. Slater's due a psychotic break. I can tell from the cortex that any amount of aggravation will probably trigger her latent violence. I was like, what are you talking about? How perfect is that? As long as she doesn't get any kind of shock, she won't become a psychopath. (laughs) Brilliant. Now, first of all, one, I'm great. Happy with that. That's all I need. Like, because I don't want to go into... Like, I don't want this to be a dress to kill or a a psycho or whatever, where they're like giving us some like bullshit psychology that's going to age really badly in 40 years. Yes. I'm happy that they just give us a quick, like one little like voiceover line. It's like, great, cool, latent violence. Let's move on. Yes. Um, I obviously wasn't paying attention then. Are they talking about Mrs. Slater there or are they talking about her son? No, they're talking about Mrs. Slater. Um, because okay. he says that um, the traumatic birth caused n- cerebral damage. But are they not looking at the sun scans? No, it's her because he sh- she's just been there and he's had okay. this n- these new scans. And he- that's why he's saying, I think you should stay with us for three months. I was watching a completely different film then in my uh, brain. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's like, why he at the beginning... the asylum like, to see him. <laughs> I really uh, wasn't paying uh, attention No, because he goes on his part. little recorder and he says, I-, I think she should be here for three months Fine. with us. Yeah. Um, cool. So the actual prank that we find Extra. out, it what there's there's too, too much. much going on, it's, because too it's a variables. prank on her and then also a prank on eighty percent of the girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? It's wild, and I couldn't tell if it was a if it was blanks or if it was some blanks and some real bullets, or if it was like real bullets, but she's just got real... Because we see her firing Rick's gun earlier, and yes. she's like a crack shot. So mm-hmm. maybe she's really good at like missing people as well. So, yeah. But that's fucking dangerous. It's, like, it's outrageous. That's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like pretend to shoot you in the leg, but right. I'm not really gonna shoot you in the leg. But what if she actually did? Like, yeah. That so that's, the, too, so that's the, too risky. So the entire prank is her. Vicky's idea is she she's going to get Rick's gun, which is a real mm-hmm. gun. She's going to have one accomplice within the girls who knows that actually it's got bullets. She's going to tell the other girls that it's got blanks, mm. and then she's going to force Mrs. Slater to get her cane out of the filthy cesspit of a pool. But then we find out it is real because she shoots a light. And then all the other yeah. girls are freaking out. And then she shoots her friend in the foot and goes, oh, she'll be fine. And then they say, oh, we're only joking. I didn't really shoot her in the foot. She was in on it. The other girls are screaming. And then Mrs. Slater hits her and she turns and shoots Mrs. Slater properly by mistake. It's very convoluted. It's so convoluted. And I, yeah, I mean, 
I I still don't know if some of them were blanks or not. It's it, I but don't, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know. It's ridiculous. But what I do love is the scene that follows immediately, which is the it's the panic of like we've shot her. What do we do? How do we get out of this situation? And there's something. There's like one particular angle that they use, which it sort of goes a bit handheld. Mm. Um, and they're dragging. Um, mrs slater out of the pool and it's just so beautiful it's like they've just caught the twilight of the sunset or something like that and it it reminds me of last house on the left it reminds me it feels really like grainy a bit grainy and gritty yeah yeah whereas and then you see it cut to like different coverage like of the different girls and it's like sort of more standard and how we've been watching the film but there's these couple of shots and i was just like this is gorgeous this yeah. is beautiful. It feels really like raw, but also really cinematic as I, well. I was going to say, like, it is cinematic. Is... There's there's also a great filming section. This is jumping slightly coming up. And it's when the party's going on. And mm. it just, it sort of sweeps around the room and it lingers on each yeah. girl. And you see them drop their poker face for a second as they all connect with each other. And you see the panic. And then they're trying to put on a brave face. And it's just this wonderful section where it's just going round the room. And we just see their inner turmoil and it's it's cinema it's probably it really is. It is it is because when would you like when would you take the time to do that normally yes. in a film like this and also why would you decide to then do it in that way which is mm-hmm. hard to move the camera in that way and like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like so i think it's really impressive that they do that and i think that the plotting's really good as well because the party guests start to arrive immediately yes. they have to work quick they have to get they have to make a decision now. Um, and so it, it justifies, it doesn't justify what they do, but it, it it puts that moral quandary there. Like they have to make a snap decision and they just, they make the one that they make, which is to like chuck her in the pool, she's dead. Yeah. like, And it makes it more believable that Katie is persuaded because mm. quite often the one that's like oh we have to call the cops then they say no we're all going to go down and yeah it's always a bit like mm, i don't believe that but the the time pressure of this is just okay we'll deal with this we'll have this chat later on and then they have to just put on a brave face and party um to yeah. f- four out of five doctors as you said the name of the band <laughs> so i was watching this with subtitles and the lyrics to the song are fucking amazing so i wrote down just the first bit of the song Um, so these are the lyrics that they're singing I call for time and set the clocks I pull the lint off all my socks she better show up I read another magazine I stare into the TV screen she better show up I am a convict caught up in her weird sense of time maybe traffic's all backed up maybe burglars have beat her up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and all I know is that I am stuck. She better show up. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Maybe robbers have beat her up. What? That's not <laughs> That's romantic. That's so weird. When you were like, because you gave no context to whether those lyrics would be good or bad. And mm. I'm honestly, after hearing them, still not sure if I can decide whether they are or not. I was like, ooh, is there going to be some deeper meaning here right. that's like relative? Like, she better show up. Are they talking about Mrs. Slater oh, right. back? No. Is that what it's going to be? But I no, mean, there's no. a bit of poeticism in I am a convict caught up in her weird sense of time. I think the word weird kind of ruins that Weird line. throws it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I had to rewind it. I was like, am I, am 
am I reading this? Am I reading this correctly? It's wonderful. Uh, but then we that's when we find out that she could be back because we see the wet clothes dropping to the ground mm. and um, we see a frat boy going for a pee or is he secretly hooking up with his friend Bobby? We'll never know Maybe. because he quickly transforms into a big dummy and gets Slater's cane in his throat. Yes, he does. And it's doing the thing that we see in a lot of these where you get that like quick like shot of gore and then it cuts away so it doesn't it doesn't indulge too much but you still get to see it which is Mm -hmm. good it's not been like hacked to pieces i don't think yeah and obviously katie's not really parting she's crying upstairs because of well Mm -hmm. because of you know the murder and um but we meet this where yes who is really cute actually and what i like about peter is that like he's First of all, this scene's really nice because she's clearly upset. They've been set up on a blind date and he can see that and he's immediately like, would you like me to leave? And he's 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 not being like pressuring or he's not pissed off that like she's not in a good place. Yeah, he's like just quite happily, yeah. Pushing he's himself not an asshole. Oh, yeah. they told me you'd be an easy lay or something, you know. Yeah, all of that shit. Yeah, he's really nice. And he's like, oh, I can go. Like, And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. You, you can sort of stay. But she is quite clearly distressed yeah but she gets herself together and sort of goes downstairs but yeah he's uh he's a nice guy and if this was a modern version which is what i sort of think they do in the later one he would be the red herring slash revealed to be the twist killer or something and what's actually quite nice about this which again my 90s brain on my original watch had to get my head around is these films of the 80s aren't always doing a whodunit it's not always mm. a big mm. mystery. You know, it's not a puzzle to be solved. Like what you're seeing is what you're getting. And mm-hmm. so I remember the first time maybe being a little bit disappointed that there wasn't like a third act twist and reveal. Right. It was them all along. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can go back and watch and figure out, oh, that's what they were doing. It's not It's not that. And it's actually more to do with the girls, the tension of the girls trying to like like hide this body which is what sort of yeah happens next because they yeah and i th- i think it kind of it it changes it kind of actually it sort of tells you wow <laughs> let me start that again <laughs> words <laughs> i think straight away now though because we have stevie one of the girls going down to try and disable the pool lights i think this is where mm. you realize it's not that kind of slasher where it's a whodunit because it's the introduction of the children's toys and it's mm. i think it's really effective because she's in the dark and this ball rolls out of the darkness you know with those children's balls and it works for me and then we get a kind of quite brutal kill made by shadow on the wall and mm-hmm. i think just the introduction of that ball just sets a, a different sort of tone i agree and i like the setup for this as well i like the bit the build up to the kill with the swinging light yes. and you sort of not knowing where the sort of assailant's going to come from mm-hmm. um that's the stuff i love and i think it, it nails it because he comes from a different direction that you're ex- that you're expecting yeah um and so Great. there's a level of sophistication to the the sort of creep factor in this which is nice um and yeah the but the um the children's toys which sort of stay as a theme throughout and sort of end up making sense as well based on who the killer is yeah you know, it, it all it all sort of pans out really nicely. Yeah, I agree. I th- <laughs> I love the you know the three frat boys in their tighty whities mm, at the festering brilliant. pool. What I love is, I don't think it's even a dare. I think they just want to swim in the cesspit. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. And what's he keep saying? I'm a 
What's see, he uh, a sea whale. No, a sea whale. Something I was, like that. I was gonna, sea pig. I was gonna, like, sea pig. I was like, I was gonna say, I wanted to say sexy baby, but that's Taylor Swift. Definitely so no. not. <laughs> um, but then we get the. Fa- I love this scene actually. It's where we get the famous line. How do we mm. know she as alive? Um, <laughs> we would have never known Mrs. Slater. It's still alive. How do we know she is alive? What do you think? She floated out that pool, or maybe she got sucked down the drain? But this scene is great because there's a the stakes. You know, there's a massive massive party going on. They're all huddled in the kitchen going fuck what are we going to do her body's not there and it's Mm -hmm. i was so invested and i was like yeah what are you gonna do and aside from morgan i think for the most part the acting's really good yeah like i like what i I like what katie's doing and it it just feels very organic um i will say it is it is a struggle with seven girls who are all white and mostly brunette um to sort of tell them apart and while they do have subtle character to differences mm. aside from really katie vicky and by default morgan the the rest of them the other four are sort of difficult to tell apart and Agreed, i think i would yeah. have happily like hung out with them a little bit more and made this a bit more of a hangout movie in act one mm. to um to just to get to know them a little bit more and what they like and what they don't and who they are and yeah. all of that yeah no i get that but, but poor <clears throat> morgan she can't catch a break because first of all she gets a bloody attic ladder to the mouth and then (laughs) she finds the the jack-in-the-box and then she gets stabbed through the torso right it's like it's a double whammy for her but don't you love how her the build-up to her death scene shot as well like i know they're giving us sort of well it's not even gratuitous nudity because you don't really see her no it's it's side boob yeah there's just a really lovely moment where she it, it it feels like suddenly we're in a jallo where we're watching something that's more style over substance whereas the rest of the film feels quite natural this is where morgan has her like glam moment and she like changes from her sort of dress into like this like nightshirt sort of like semi see-through and she's like backlit by the billowing curtains and it all feels a little bit gothic and romantic and i really like how that was shot and it sort of makes the poster make sense because i love the poster to this film but the director didn't so that was no a, did he not no that was a studio he what he wanted was um a sort of scary decrepit hand coming out of a cesspit pool swimming oh, pool okay. he wanted it to be that um but they were like oh, no we need a scantily vibe. clad girl but i really do also like the um the american uh cover i just think of, it's iconic it looks hammer it looks like a, a bride of Fr- a dracula type you know it's mm-hmm. that chiffon pink it's really gorgeous in the uk on the vhs um i've still got it somewhere it's uh, a dead girl's head at the bottom and then it's the jester sort of looming above so right, it's really okay. creepy it's like a cl- it looks like a clown movie the um, only thing and i was just looking it up the only thing that i don't love or don't think that makes sense is the um the the taglines Nothing can prepare you for what happens when she fights back. Oh, interesting. And then the other one is, um, the, it says the house on Sorority Row, and then underneath it is where nothing is off limits. Interesting. Well, the one I've got here, house on Sorority <clears throat> Row, it says sorority sisters, sisters in life, sisters in death. <laughs> See, that's better. It is, That's actually, way better. It? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> and <laughs> so actually, many. none of them actually fully give you a, a feel for it but it wasn't about that when it you know that there's 
distributors didn't watch the film. They just made no. it sellable and looked great. And um, so the scantily clad girl. Um, so Morgan's dead. She'd been stabbed. Yeah. And then they, this is the bit where they, you know, they, they're dragging the body and it's, the stakes are great because they can easily be caught constantly and they mm. put it, the body in the big dumpster and then they they hit the bloody police car. And I was yeah. genuinely tense, genuinely, because yeah. he even opens the lid and then just gets a call. I was like, oh, God, because I couldn't remember at this point what happened. Mm-hmm. I like all of this. The only thing I think, I, like, because for me, it's it's Vicky and it's, is it Liz? Liz, I think, yeah. Who are like dumping... Um, you know, in the in the dumpster, moving it up and all of that. I, I think it's a bit of a shame that it's Vicky or that Vicky never kind of makes it back to the house before being killed because she's such an interesting character. And Mrs. Slater's, she like, they were the ones that were sort of they in were the nemesis conflict. Yeah. They were, yeah. We don't get a proper resolve to that almost, and it would have been nice to have a little bit more of her in sort of like the finale in the sort of final confrontation but you're right the tension's really good and then while that's happening at the house we've got katie um sort of slowly solving the mystery she's up in the attic which the set design for this is excellent yep it feels really natural like it's obviously very hyper stylized it feels like a a rundown sort of children's nursery attic room but it's shot in a way where it doesn't feel like, look at the set design, look mm-hmm. how creepy we're being. It just feels like another room. Um, and up there is like this giant clown doll, which is oh. like life size. I know you're not a fan. Yeah, it's the, je- it's the jester costume the really jester. fucked me up as a kid. Yeah, for it's sure. Hard. And she looks and, you know, it's just a mask. And then um, she finds a, um, a, a birthday card to to eric from Mm -hmm. mother so we're like oh mrs slate had a son even though we know this but this is katie discovering all of that as well so you're kind of getting the the final girl classic like unraveling uncovering the mystery stuff yeah for sure yeah oh there's also a moment where yeah diane diane gets killed she gets a cane in her gray rubber hand (laughs) in the van oh yeah in the van (laughs) She does, yeah. Yes. Um, and then we get um, a cool, quite a cool chase scene with... Jeannie. Um, with Jeannie. This is a highlight. I quite like Me too. Bit. I love it. I love it, yeah. I mean, it's it's stupid as well. And it's, it makes no fucking sense that she <laughs> she's just been attacked outside the door of the kitchen. She comes in. She sits in the kitchen and says, I was just attacked there by the gate. And so Katie goes, all right, stay here. I'll be back in a minute. And I'll... So you're, what are you <laughs> right, talking about? To be honest, I do... I, I always fan man fan wank my way out of this because <laughs> she's she's had a head wound she's not trauma clearly. yes sure it's trauma yeah trauma. so um it's, i i kind of let her off for that but like all the, the taps the turning on though is great it's so good with all the and this is okay so this is where i'm like this is where i wanted a little bit more yes like you've got the taps on the room is filled up with steam let's have the moment where she's walking through the steam you know like yeah yeah i think there's there's great setups in all of these these kills, but I just I want them to go that little bit further and just give me a bit more of a sequence. But I'm just nitpicking. No, it's but still to- really good. no, but talking about her kill now, this one. So she has the cane pushed so hard against her throat against the wall that the back of her neck explodes. No, it's the butcher knife she has in her hand. Oh, I was like, knife. I was like, that's not physics. What do you mean? No, I think, I think she. So she grabs a big butcher knife from the kitchen. Yes, and I love it by the way because she does the moment. And this is, I was going to say actually, I'll get, I'll get to that. 
when she's running and you can see the influence that this had on obviously i know what we did last summer with the plot but also in some of the staging of scream 2 because when you've got sarah michelle geller running in the yeah. sorority house and she's make trying all the doors and they're locked i make a better zeta <laughs> cc there um this is she she <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole thing yeah. um but Jeannie's running and she's trying the doors, they're locked. Um, and it reminded me of Scream 2. But what I love is she does kind of like a Disney spin and then like falls down and it's just so <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> just had to had to bring that up. But no, when she's in the toilet cubicle, she's got the big butcher knife and she lunges. And I think the cane hits the knife and presses it against her throat. And that's how she gets Okay, but th- the blood still comes from the back of her head. <laughs> maybe so, it was splattered she hit her head against the wall no no uh, no there's definitely some physics issues there but i i mean i like oh, yeah that. you're not I'm gonna glad. get decapitated by a butcher knife either right yeah so. fair it's um, a little bit sharper than a, a blunt cane yeah side and, then, on. and then we kind of we enter the third act really because katie's called the doctor from the dog tag that was left that used to be around slater's neck and so Which he is arrives all effortlessly done it like, is. i don't mind any of that you know it's set up it happens it gets and it's not it's, it's not, not focused on no yeah, it's exactly not. so it just it's all not. happens quite organically and he or even his sort of exposition about the experimental procedure he was doing to try and give people who couldn't have children the ability to have children it's not it's not a big i speech you know it's it's he just he literally just explains to her why she may be killing people it's just enough yeah it's just enough i don't need any more or any less it just it's like it's an experiment gone wrong done yeah that's it then again this is cinema full stop the the bodies in the pool there's something so creepy uncanny beautiful ethereal yeah. about yeah. that sequence it's it's brilliant and the fact that the water is all sort of green and mildewy and it's just gorgeous yeah so this is yeah this is the part where katie finds the bodies and they're in the they're in the pool and I, yeah. I love the dramatic irony of that which is like that's where yeah. they put mrs slater that's where they all end up um and it is it's this gorgeous dreamy and it just it makes it makes the film iconic in a way that like it has no right to be you know yeah. what i mean there's a there's <laughs> a level of cinema to it where you're like oh there's yeah. that moment and that moment so yeah i agree i love it i think it's fab but then that's also sort of intercut with a liz and vicky digging a grave through astroturf yeah i mean <laughs> this whole bit of them like deciding to go to the cemetery yeah. to bury mrs slater's body in an open <laughs> grave just a few feet below is i don't need this i'd have mm, they could have the done something different they yeah they and also just and this is AstroTurf. where they get killed yes yeah and quite unceremoniously as you were saying yeah. like it's i mean liz gets her throat slit i think and Fine. then very very quickly after vicky just gets massacred against the side of Which the, uh, is, the van this doesn't is, it this is where i'd have had vicky escape and make her way back yeah to yeah yeah the Agreed. house and we have you know uh, you know but they just get rid of her i think because they're trying to wrap things up yeah um and then we're talking quicker. about wrapping they unwrap the body and we do see that it is slater because i think yeah. up to this point you're still not sure um if you think, oh, that's going to be somebody else's body in there. Is mm-hmm. she doing it? And we've heard about Eric at this point. Um, yeah. And then we realise that it is her. And so then he, the doctor sedates Katie. And then mm. this is the final, final act, I guess. Um, what do you think of this this whole tie-up at the end? 
I love it. Yes. Because I think, you know, we've... Films that have got quite simple plots, like a slasher where it's like, someone gets killed, we have a little bit of talking, someone gets killed, like this sort of repetitive... It's really nice when they can do something different and they can Mm. do something stylized and, like we said, a bit more cinematic. The fact that she's been drugged and that she's sort of having visions of all her dead sisters and Mrs. Slater and it's done in this sort of, like, stop-start, you know, with the couple dancing. And the cane sometimes on its own, sometimes Just balancing by itself. I think it's fucking excellent. This I is love it. cinema. It's one of my favorite parts. House of Sorority Row. <laughs> Come on, people. Yes. This I is agree. how you do it. This is what steps it up. This is why I think this film is fucking brilliant because it's nuanced. Uh, yeah, it's low budget, but it does things differently. And it takes some some risks. Not all of them pay off, but I want them in there. And this moment, as you say, where she's drugged and she's lit by neon and she's on this chair and she's sort of seeing these visions. Yeah. It's just great. <laughs> and you've got you've got the music box score playing as the couple are dancing and spinning. Like, it all comes together so nicely and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like, here's this cool thing we're doing. It feels like obviously really stylized and exciting to look at but there's a level of like obviously creepy because all of her sisters are dead and these are like they're still in their sort of like their prom dresses or whatever like all all disheveled but it's sad as well it's like look they've gone you're the only one left like it's and then they walk away and i will say (laughs) if you clock if you clock morgan yeah, she's the last one to go, and she's like walking in a really weird way, and I'm like, classic really? Morgan. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> but I think what also works here is because this is where it's confirmed to us. So, the killer is this person we haven't seen, this mm-hmm. abnormal, deformed boy who grew up in an attic, and she sat there as bait, waiting, and we don't know what he looks like, what this figure is going to be, and there's mm-hmm. something brilliant about that tension because. We don't. We haven't seen it yet, and we never really yeah. fully get to properly see um, Eric. Anyway, not we get one shot, don't we, at the bottom of the stairs? Which I wasn't sure if he's wearing a mask or the character's wearing a mask. It's a bit. It leaves it a bit ambiguous. Yeah. But it's great. She's fucking tripping her balls off, sat in gorgeous pink neon, and mm-hmm. we're just waiting for this monster that we haven't seen. And that's that's how you build tension because it's a reveal. Yeah of something we haven't yet seen. That's the Mm -hmm. twist, you know? It's not the, oh, it was him all along and you can't put the face to the picture. It's, I I don't know, I'm obsessed with this film so much. Yeah, me too. And then we actually, we get a little bit of a sequence as well because she breaks free. She she goes upstairs um, because she's, and because she's drugged as well. It's like, she's not, she's not thinking clearly. She's, you know, so you're not going, oh, don't run up the stairs. Like she's, you're kind of just with her. And she goes and she sort of um, climbs out onto the balcony and then um, she can't get down because it's too high. So she goes up the sort of fire escape ladder into the attic and Mm -hmm. ends up in the room. And then she comes up with her little plan because she's got, she's like all the girls in this film. She's also got a gun. She goes to her bedroom and she's got a gun in the, um, (laughs) in her drawer. (laughs) Surely that's got to be the same gun. Surely she's gone maybe, and got she's gone and maybe. got um Vicky's gun. I mean we did meet her rather like Republican esque. Oh her mum, yeah, that's so true. Who knows? America. Who knows? <laughs> America. Um 
so she ends up in the attic and she sets a trap so she kind of has the attic door open she gets the music box playing to and lure she just sort him, of waits to, to lure him and then we get the iconic moment the moment that if you've watched like 100 scariest moments or like you've watched a special and it's talking about different horror movies this this shot this moment will probably be be in the middle somewhere in the fray this is what fucked me up this is it it's the she's there she's waiting for him to come up those stairs and they and again they've they've shown us the jester outfit earlier on but they haven't Mm -hmm. like she hasn't walked out of frame and they've lingered on it so we're like oh okay that's coming back it's just oh my god it's fucking horrible the way it so she's sort backed, of yeah. comes to life. She's backed into a corner and we get, and it's really, really cleverly done. She She's backed into a corner and just in the frame beside her, you get sort of like maybe a two sec- second shot of her with the jester, which we've seen before. Yeah. And then as she's got the gun aimed at the, the hatch, she starts having more flashes yes. of... Mr. Genie's Slater. head in the bowl, in the uh, toilet yeah, bowl. Yeah, Genie's head comes, which looks really good. It's really good. <laughs> all, all this kind of stuff, and it almost makes you forget that there's something next to her because it's giving you so much yes. else. And I think that's yeah, really clever because it yeah. distracts you. And then it cuts back, and the jester comes to Slowly. life. And we find out that it's it's the killer, and she doesn't notice. He just sort of it's because wakes it still looks like it's hanging. Pain. It looks yeah. like it's hung on a wall and the mm-hmm. head rises and we see it shift a bit and then we get a close-up and see that through the mask we can see his actual eye. It yeah. is the stuff of nightmares. It's so cool. It's great. <laughs> I it's love so it. It's so great. It's so cool. And, um, and so she has... Well, her, luckily, like... kids' toys used to be incredibly dangerous and so she rips off a dolly's head and, of course, there's a big <laughs> metal spike that used to connect the head to the torso of the doll i mean but it makes me think this probably wasn't an 80s doll it's probably his from the 60s oh yeah yeah for sure so it's super old old. yeah yeah Um, she stabs him with it and he ends up falling down the hatch and we get this fantastic shot of her sort of lying at the side of the hatch we can see down the bottom Mm -hmm. and he's there what do you think of this ending well this is uh, it, it goes on a few shots too long for me i think that shot of her over the hatch mm-hmm. uh, if i was directing it i'd have held there and we and i'd have either done one of two things we hold there we're waiting him for waiting for him to move at the bottom waiting yeah. to move waiting and then it never happens and we just go to black nice it's just a lovely or she moves away we move with her and then she moves back and then he's gone it's just blood and on then the floor, we yeah. end yeah and that's it but we've seen that in 1978 we have seen that so maybe the first options i love the first one you ambiguous because i i just think that shot is so beautiful of her in the foreground and him at the bottom of the hatch Mm -hmm. and we just leave it there but the film doesn't give us that the film gives us his eyes open a little bit of her passing out we're down on the ground with him and then the clown's eyes open yeah do you know about the alternate endings that well i know i know of one where she was supposed to be then floating in the pool with all the other bodies um yes Uh, that's right so the police turn up and all they're pulling all the bodies out and the jester costume there's someone in the jester costume and they pull it out and we think it's obviously going to be eric they take off the mask and it's her so he's dressed her up in it and thrown her in the pool and then he's out and free so that one was filmed um, mm-hmm. But the one that wasn't filmed that was in the script um, 
was Katie. <laughs> she's in the hospital and she's being pushed along in the wheelchair and it pans up and the orderly is Eric and the film ends. What wouldn't have worked for me of that is we don't <sighs> really know what Eric looks like. So would mm. we be like, why are we ending on that Who's this? weird man? This? Yeah. So I don't think, I, I understand now why that probably didn't have the impact um, and why it wasn't filmed. But I like the idea of the body's being pulled out and then she's been, we don't, and we don't even know how tragic, or why she, what what extra scuffle has happened that's ended mm-hmm. up that she's died and he's survived, that we don't see that. I just, I think that's great. I mean, these are minor qualms and minor mm, sure. tweaks that I would make. But overall, it's one of my favourite 80s slashes, 100%. Yeah, agreed. And I haven't seen the 2009. I think you've told me, I you said you think I'd like it. I've only seen that one bottle kill, which is great. Yeah, it's so the... 2009 remake is just incredibly 2009 Uh that was my worry like but in a great way in a way that i think it's very self-aware okay it's it's so ridiculously 2009 it feels like a culmination of every element of from 2003 all these remakes yeah it feels like a big mishmash of all of those and what's nice is it's it's mean like the girls okay. are fucking awful bitches to each other very inspired by mean girls i think yeah and it has that element to it and that sort of the vicky character in it is brilliant it's 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 really in in the age we're in now watching back it's refreshingly un pc um but right. it doesn't have the cinema that this one does even though this is low budget the and I, the 2009 one doesn't have a massive budget anyway but it it just feels like grainy a bit green just that very sort of like filtered yeah 2000s look. when was so the, the look of the film i don't like when was the prom night remake the one with britney 2008 Snow? i think yeah see that for me I hate that put me <laughs> off that that year and any years surrounding mm. it that were these sorority type teen slasher anything mm. to do with proms and stuff like that because it is the most toothless bloodless yeah dreadfully boring cash cow it feels like a, a really yeah, bad made for tv thriller lifetime remember seeing um, it at the cinema and just being like what yeah well, pointless this is completely pointless yeah um and so i think because that's the similar time i think when this came out i was like i don't think i want to see sorority row but mm. since when you're in the world of memes i've seen a couple and i'm like oh that's from that that all yeah. right maybe i'll give it a go i'm not overhyping it though it's not no, like no, no. you know a game changer but it's 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 fun it's fun for sure yeah. um anything else you'd like to say about this fucking great film house on sorority row from 1982 I don't know, like, all, all all I will say, like, again, if I'm nitpicking a little bit, just, again, personal yeah. taste, I'd have liked to have sort of seen the killer more in the kills. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer that. I, I don't like the early 80s, the killer is off screen, and we just see, the, you know, mm-hmm. the axe going in the head or the hand grabbing the mouth. Like, yes. I like the actual killer in the frame we like, see the one moment don't we where um yeah the killer's silhouetted by the van mm-hmm. and that bit really works because you're like yeah. is it her isn't it her it's got a straw-like blonde wig Agreed. maybe so that bit yeah i think is great and i, think and more I, of I that. do think it, it could have been very easy even to sort of have her be in costume in yeah. some way and like different different sort of like children's costumes with different masks oh, and God, stuff yeah. like 
you know, a little bit sort of like Terror Train where the killer takes on different. Um, yeah, I costumes. think that would have Could taken have away from the Jester moment, though. Maybe it would. Maybe because that's it would. just so unexpected. But I think because I see the Jester at the end, I go, I want more of that. Right. I want more of that. And I get excited by it. So that's why. But better for a film to leave you wanting more than to just give you too much and go, oh, I'm not yeah, yeah. invested in this. Completely it's agree. So, but no, that's it really. I think it's it's really fab. I think it's got a great heart. I think it looks good. I like the cast. Um, and it's got some really iconic moments. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, fantastic. Where have you got anything coming up? We can look out for any appearances. Anything? I cool do happening? actually. <gasps> oh. I don't know when it's coming out, but I just recorded an episode of um, Lonely Spectres Productions. It listens from the radio. Oh. So there's there's um, it's season two. It's on all the sort of podcast streaming places that you can listen to stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's like a really fun anthology series um and i play the i'm the the main character of episode four hey. so you can you can listen to that i think it should be out shortly because the three i'm i'm episode four and there's three episodes out already of season two so i'm the soon next then. one so it should be coming soon oh my so gosh amazing I'll keep an eye out for that yeah that sounds great and where can people find you online if they want to well 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 social media still exists Oh gosh, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram <laughs> at Joshua Tonks, um, and you can sort of see all the fun stuff that's been happening with the latent image at Soho on yeah. both of those platforms. And then Letterboxd, you can find me on there and read some reviews and all of that kind of stuff. My House cool. on Sorority Row reviews already up. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to go check that out now. Um, Matty, as always, one, I'm super proud of you. I think it's a cracking film you've got there uh, with latent Thank image, you. and I really hope it gets a nice release. So. We can get everyone to see it, and um, also it's more, more queer horror. I, how many how many decades have I been shouting that? <laughs> right, it is unapologetically queer, erotic thriller. Yeah, you know that isn't filtered or watered down, and doesn't no. feel like it has to have characters that are, you know, um, an archetype or giving no. some sort of message. It's yeah. just them existing in the world that we've created. So for yeah. that, I'm I'm quite proud of it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we're gonna keep my eyes peeled for any news on that, and I will post anything, of course, that we hear. Thanks, Thank mate. you so so much again, mate, and uh, I'll see you for the next one. Yep, see you soon. There we go. Thank you so much, Joshua, for another cracking episode. I'm so glad I could fangirl about this movie with you, and I really hope we've introduced some newbies to it. Definitely the right person to talk to about that. Um, next week, we're hitting up a video nasty and powering up our PCs to summon evil? That's right, it's the Clint Howard-led Evil Speak from 1981, and joining me will be Jim of Jimmel Paint It fame. Such a super exciting guest. I cannot wait. If you'd like to get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or whatever exists at the moment, just go to steviesbrainrock.com and all the links will be there. Uh, I can't wait for next week. Thanks, Rotters. See you soon. Toodles! <laughs>